Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point, through the good times and the bad, and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on the podcast, we had Chef John Rivera. John was Sam Pellegrino's 2018 Pacific Region winner. And hot off the press, first interview since he's got the, the new gig, he's the new head chef, or he's going to be the new head chef of Loom Restaurant in South Melbourne. John is the new generation of chef that's coming up. It was very interesting to listen to him and his thoughts of where he thinks Australian food's going, the way the kitchen culture is moving and changing, also his view on the hours, and also he told us all about his his trip to Milan to represent Australia and the Pacific in the San Pellegrino competition. I hope everyone enjoys it. This week, the podcast is brought to you by City Larder, the charcuterie specialist, specialising in terrines, pâtés and rillettes for the retail and food service market here in Australia. City Larder just received two gold medals for the free-range chicken, leek and truffle terrine and also the free-range chicken liver pâté. The only charcuterie company to receive uh, gold medals for terrines, pâtés or rillettes this year in the Australian Food Awards. Now, over to the show. John, awesome, nice to see you. Good to see you, Rob. It's been a while. How long has it been? We've worked together in uh, about 2013, 2012. Yeah, and I've seen you seen you at the market a couple at of times. The markets, I love getting some of your, your pastries and your pies yeah, for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, how's it going? Are you good? It's good, very good, yeah. You've had an exciting few years. I have, it's been, it's been a big year. I'm yeah. very, very blessed to have such a big year that I had. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to tell everyone what? Well, tell everyone who you are and and um, yeah, and what you did this year, especially. Well, you've been what you've done, but what you what, what you did especially this year. Well, hello, everyone. I'm uh, my name's John Rivera. Um, I represented uh, the Pacific region in the the global final of uh, San Pellegrino's Young Chef competition in 2018, and uh, we'll soon to be the uh, head chef slash executive chef of a uh, restaurant Lume in South Melbourne. That's amazing. That's, uh, congratulations Thank you very on, much, on both on both achievements. It's Thank fantastic. You so much. It's been a, it's been a quick rise. I'm not going to lie. You know, it, it was. I mean, when you were a waiter, you know, <laughs> it, 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 what was that? Five years, five years ago, or something, six years ago. It must actually it was uh, about seven, six, seven years ago. Was I was uh, okay. I was 18 years old when I when I went on the floor at, at Rockwell Bar and Grill when I met you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a bit of a whirlwind as well. I started polishing polishing. Uh, glasses and cutlery and then I got dragged onto the floor doing a section in a 300 cover 400 cover <laughs> restaurant um, so I think getting thrown in the deep end has always been part of my career yeah yeah the way you go where you learn yeah. what um why why did you choose rock pool like were you intending to be you you college or it's, what, let me spit this out why did you choose rock pool to come and polish glasses as a as a in I'm not I'm not lie I so what happened was I was in a pastry school in, in William Anglis and at that time I was still working at KFC, which was my high school job. And I, I was walking down Crown and I said, oh, there's so many great restaurants here, you know, like Rockpool sticks out, that's Neil Perry, Spice Temple sticks out, that's Neil Perry, you know, Bistro Guillaume. And I just needed another job. So I went on the website looking for a polisher, sent my resume in, got the job within the week. And, you know, I, for me, 
that was the foot in the door to, in, to the industry. It was like, I knew as soon as I got there, I just had to prove myself. Um, and like eventually, hopefully end up in the kitchen. Yeah, so why didn't you go straight for a kitchen job? Were you just like, oh, just you weren't that interested? You wanted to slowly end? <laughs> what was it? Are you nervous? I was, I was young. Yeah. I was, uh, I didn't, I had this, you know, idea that eventually I would have to work 80 hours, 90 hours a week, not see my family, not have fun. So while I was still in college, I wanted to take weekends off, have heaps of money, you know, uh, see my girlfriend, see my friends and, and just have fun until I really, really knuckled down and had, had no more time for that. Yeah. But, you know, looking back, it probably was a great thing to have that experience on the floor. Yeah. I th- yeah. And uh, I talk about it uh, now with a lot of general managers in front of house that a lot of chefs and cooks should do some time on the floor because it's so easy to to take for granted what the front of house do and the art that they actually do to make the ex- to make your food and the whole experience a whole experience and just for as a young cook as well to have that charisma and that confidence to speak to guests to speak to their guests about their food about their experience even about wine that's that's paramount now in these days as a as a cook as a young chef yeah a lot of it's basically what you said a lot of restaurants are expecting you to do that nowadays aren't they yeah it's you know it's gone are the days where the chef is just in the kitchen barking orders you know chefs now are rock stars they're celebrities almost people want to see the cook the chefs and there's a when I was working at Amaru and also uh, when I was working at Lume previously, in Amaru we take about 90% of the, of the food out to guests. And you know, that, that twinkle in the eye, the, the excitement of the guests when, when the chef actually comes out and takes their food them, themselves and explain to them what they've done, how they've prepared it, why they've prepared it, you know, that, that enhances the experience. It makes it so much better for the guests, I feel. For, especially for me, when I see... When I see one of the cooks come out from the kitchen and they serve me, it's it's almost like a family member serving you or you know, someone's proud of what they've made. Yeah, it's, the delivery's a lot a lot better. They know it a bit more better <clears throat> a bit more clearly and they can Yeah. I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. I totally agree. So you were is it the <clears throat> South South Pacific well, Pacific region, two thousand eighteen, San Pellegrino fight winner? Yes, so yeah. I won the Pacific region, which was uh Australia and New Zealand, and I guess the whole rest of the Pacific. So there was 10 of us in the semifinals, and we had to cook for a panel consisting of Scott Pickett, Paul Carmichael, Christine Mansfield, uh, Jacques Ramond, and Andrew McConnell. Um, It was a massive, massive heat. Um, I started cooking at about 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock in the morning, you had five hours to just smash out seven portions, and then... Um, yeah, I got I got through from that. I, I wasn't never a big competition chef. I was kind of egged on by Sean Quaid to do the competition. Um, he said, you know, it'll be a good opportunity to test yourself. You know, it's not about winning. It's never about winning. Just go, make friends, make connections. Connections, exactly, and, 100%. And just gauge yourself as well, what you can do, what, how, what your creativity is like or how good, you know. Um, and I just ended up taking it out. I was massive so then we went off to Milan for the grand finale so there's 21 regions all over the world um so all the winners of that region came to Milan for the grand final and it was actually a a crazy cull of contestants because it went from like 2,000 
400 all over the world. That, that was the initial entry? Yeah, initial entry, and they got culled to 210 across 21 regions into 21. So it was Oof. just like... Yeah, yeah, big, um, big chunks. Yeah, for me, making it to Milan was... was uh, and it, like I felt like we won already. Yeah, like, a lot of... A free free trip. Yeah, free you know? trip to free trip to Milan. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're getting exactly. put up in four star, five star accommodation. And I'm guessing they'll have put things on for you. They're not going to just fly you out there, do the competition, and fly you back. Did they put things on? No, they yeah they uh, during during the week. You know, we had we had dinners with with all the, the previous young chefs and dinner like dinners by Carlo Cracco in like one of the fanciest bars in Milan. Um, and pizza by the best pizziolo in in Italy. So it was they were really showing off. I think yeah, of course. really, really showing yeah, yeah. off. Well, it's San Pellegrino. It's a top fifty, which is probably one of the most recognised uh, lists yeah. in the in the culinary world yeah. now, isn't it? It is. It, it, it is. It's, there's a Michelin guide, obviously, but then everyone everyone gets excited for the top fifty. Yeah. there's no two ways about it. I think it's it, it's one of the most influential socially influential lists right now that's San Pellegrino yeah um, and they love to party we saw it in Melbourne last year and Bilbao looked like the same and honestly <laughs> San Pellegrino young chef was about the same I mean most <laughs> I of, went to that party the top 50 oh lucky you yeah it was yeah. awesome we did well Rockpool did the catering oh that's right yeah 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 so um, and I got the opportunity to go and then the after party and like, it was yeah, was it was it Dominique Crenn spraying champagne oh, all over everyone? Yeah. yeah, and it was Neil Perry's birthday as well. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I, I think I got in at seven thirty that morning, and then I had to. Oh, it was a messy all day. Oh, it was a rough day that next day. <laughs> Orders going out, but yeah, it was awesome, awesome. So in um in the competition, you had to do was it one was it one dish? Yes. It, yeah. So one dish. It was our, our sign, it's a signature dish competition. So. We, it's the dish that we entered with, that we won the region with. And then after you win the region, you get about six months to refine the dish with your mentor. So Scotty and I, Scott Pickett and I from, well, ES, previously ESP, now Matilda and Nassau Bistro, um, we refined that uh, for the that past six months, presentation, how to cook it, how it could be done better, what techniques we can more techniques we can put in and how we can make it more uniquely Australian and Filipino at the same time. So I presented you know, uh, a take on sinigang, which is a Filipino hot and sour soup. And it was something that was deep in my heart because it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those meals I eat. It's like, yeah, it makes you feel, makes you feel that you're at home. Um, like chicken soup or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, so, but I had to put an Australian twist to it. Of course, all of my uh, culinary training uh, came from Australia. So, and I used a lot of native ingredients. And you were born of, here? You were born here? I was born in the Philippines. Oh, born in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. But I grew up in New Zealand. I grew up here. Yeah. So, I used a lot of, I use a, you know, I use a hapuka for the fish, which is a fish I ate a lot of New Zealand. I ate mountain, I used mountain pepper to add the spice instead of chilies or regular pepper. It's a native, native pepper um, from Tasmania. Um, what else? I use native tamarind from from Queensland, from the rainforest in Queensland, instead of usual tamarind that we'll find in in uh, Asia. So it was. I was really proud to also showcase those ingredients over in Milan. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Were, were people like like I don't know? It's the Filipino cuisine. No disrespect, isn't as popular as the Thai cuisine or the Vietnamese. I wouldn't have said. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. But were people quite like, "Oh, Filipino, this is awesome." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's it's not. It's not. It's not as uh, popular. 
A, I feel like because, you know, Philippi- uh, sorry, Thai and Vietnamese cuisine is so vibrant and, you know, Filipino cuisine, I like to say it's about 50 shades of brown. <laughs> it's a lot of braises and a lot of preserves. Um, but also Philipp- the way that Filipino history came about with uh, years of colonization from the Spanish, the Americans, they've always looked to their colonizers before they look to their own culture. Yeah, so you eat out in the Philippines and you'll always eat foreign. You'll always eat American or French or Italian. If you, for me, if you eat out and eat Filipino food, people, Filipinos will say, oh, you know, my mom can make that. Why are we, why are we spending money on that? I can make that myself. Um, I feel like that kind of, not devalues your heritage. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but it kind of puts it on a lower level. And for me, I I wanted to show Filipinos across the world or like young cooks who, young Filipino cooks who are so passionate about it that you can elevate your your cuisine or your heritage to that level with just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of know-how, a little bit of, you know... Yeah, it is. It's it's great that you that you want to do that, and you know it's part of you mm. at the end of the day. So like, why wouldn't you want to? You've got a mixed bag of tricks, haven't you? You know, mm. you've got the the Australian and New Zealand, and then yeah. and your, your heritage is is Filipino. Yeah. So yeah, showcase that absolutely. And I think that's that's so modern. Like when people ask you what is modern Australian, like you can't really answer it because, but to me, that kind of melting pot of cultures that that is modern Australia to me because I grew up in a neighborhood full of Filipinos, Indians, Sudanese. And, you know, you would eat, you could go to a takeaway shop, get Indian, you know, get Ethiopian, you get... Australians just love to eat different cultures and like, eat food from different cultures and our, our palates are so much better for that. So that's what I wanted to relay relay to uh, Milan, in Milan as well, that we're such a melting pot of cultures and we're so much better for that. And we're not even... But haven't even reached our potential. Definitely, I think that about England. You know, coming from England, we're so close to everywhere, and a lot of people come there. Come there, French, Italian, German, Indian, you know, Spanish, Portuguese. That it really benefits the culinary scene. Mm. Really benefits from that. Jamaicans mm. and Africans and everything in England. Like you say, Australia is definitely getting like that. Where like, what is English food? When I think of English food, I think more Indian than anything else, probably, mm. to be totally honest yeah. with you. Like, that's what I grew up on, curries and, yeah. and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, Australians definitely getting like that. What was it like on the day then? So you get you get to Milan, <clears> you're <throat> like, oh, here we go, competition. Are you, you're on the plane, are you think, who was with you? So my fiancé flew over with me. We had yeah. a couple of troubles, actually, a um, couple of days before. So I wouldn't give you a visa. No, <laughs> um, no, that's true. That, funnily enough, that was the that was a bloke from Africa. He he arrived on the day because they a they didn't allow they didn't give him his visa, and he got to Milan and they accused him of a fake passport. Um, but he got there in the end. And he, he got actually, there. He got there and he oh. smashed it. He had a great dish. He oh. made it to the top seven with us. Oh, did he? Yeah. But so I I sent all my stuff over by by courier. So all my all my equipment all my charcoal and all my ingredients and my barbecue. So I sent that off maybe three days before I left and I was on the way to work. Uh, I was about five minutes away from work in Armadale and I get a call from my sister saying, hey, all your all your uh, boxes just got sent back by DHL. And I oh. said, oh, no way. So drove back home 40 minutes, I called up work, I said, I can't come to work today. I've got, I've got to sort this out or I'm not cooking anything in Milan. 
Turns out, well, fair enough, charcoal can't fly over because it's a fire hazard. It's fine, I can get charcoal over there. Um, but <clears throat> turns out I can't export any of my um, native ingredients either. So all my warrigal greens, all my mountain pepper, oh. all that stuff that I want to take with me, the Australian government or you know the, the authority would not let out of the airport. So spend the whole day trying to call up people. Like, how do I get it over there? How do I get it over there? Pretty much I said, you can't post it with, um, within the next week. You have to get all these certificates and checks and whatnot. So I sent all my, my the other boxes, which are the equipment. The equipment. I just sent yeah. it. It'll be over there. And my fiance and I decided to just put all of that into a styrofoam box, label it, you know, San Pellegrino, Young Chef, ingredients, blah, blah, blah. Took it with us. To the airport. <clears throat> to the airport, checked it in. San Pellegrino were gracious enough or great enough to buy me extra luggage um, for it on, in emergency. Um, so I was more concerned about going up in the air in the fuselage and it was like, you know, minus something, all my warrigal, fresh yeah, warrigal greens are freezing. Yeah, yeah. Then we land in Doha and it's 36 <laughs> degrees at 7 a.m. on the tarmac. Yeah. So it was, and then go up again and come down. You're just um, going to open that box and everything's just ruined. That's what yeah. you're thinking, right? So yeah. we get to Milan and then the box is right there. It's like, okay, cool. Were you nervous opening it? I was more nervous trying to get out of uh, immigration because yeah. I, I thought, you know, Australia's a bit strict. I might get, you know, patted down for this. So I put my box on the trolley, walking out. These two immigration officers, like, standing in front of me. They couldn't care less. <laughs> just walk right past me. Like, okay. <laughs> And then I see I see the nothing to declare line. It was about, you know, 10 meters from there to the exit. And I just said, nah, you know what? Stuff it. I'm going for it. Just went out. And my fiance is just like, you have to declare all that. I'm like, nah, babe. Nah, nah <laughs> this done. is, nah, we're good. So I opened it all up. It was all perfect. Oh, it was fine. It was great. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, sweet. That's awesome. good. But in that time, actually in that time that I was worrying about that box being fine, I forgot that I checked in another piece of luggage and I forgot <laughs> I've got one there so I'm in I'm in the car they they sorted out uh, a Mercedes Benz to pick us up and I was like this is a lot you know yeah, yeah, we're in yeah. Milan we're in a Mercedes who just pulled off the biggest heist in history I get a call from the airport yeah. Mr. Rivera you you left one of your bags here <laughs> like, oh shit <laughs> turned him around did you um, go did you get it though all yeah good? we got it yeah we got it turns out all my knives are in that one so. <laughs> <laughs> oh I could imagine though like yeah your mind's totally distracted on on that one and yeah but they all come good so you get there and then yeah, how long are you there before the day of the competition I was there a week before oh, just man. to acclimatize yeah, yeah. I thought uh, big fight Big yeah, fight coming big, up. Big fight. You got to acclimatize, you <laughs> yeah. know, eat as much gelato as you can now. <laughs> I thought I, no, I thought I'd be fine. No, we got there in midday. We're like, yeah, we're great. You know, we'll go out tonight. We'll see Milan. Got to the, got to the room, freshened up, laid on the bed about five minutes and woke up at about 11 o'clock at night. I was like, yep, we're jet lagged. Yeah. But uh, we got there a week before, met up with Jake Kelly from Singapore. He was, uh, so we, we practiced a little bit over at the Mandarin Oriental beforehand and, um, yeah, so we got there on the Sunday. The actual the program started on the Thursday, and um, we had a dinner with all the mentors and young chefs. And then the next day on the Friday was just the official opening. We had a, a dinner with all the with Carla Cracker and all the judges and all the media and stuff. That was a massive party. And then Saturday was game time. So I cooked and I cooked in the second round, but that that five hours just how many people were in the kitchen at the time doing this competition? <clears throat> There were five kitchens. Oh, sorry. 
So there were seven kitchens in the in the studio. So um, there's three rounds of seven. In the first day, there's there's two rounds, um, and they start ten minutes apart from each other. It was very very strict. You started at that time, and you end. So no one else is in your kitchen. Is that what you're saying? It was me. I had a commie with me to help me cook, and I had a runner to run all the oh, stuff. But your team. There's not like other people sharing your space. No no no. no. Yeah, so yeah. everyone gets their own kitchen. It was yeah. it was pretty pretty good, but yeah. Um, do you know the commie or do you know the runner? You know, no, you just get given no. them. You get you get given them. Luckily, I had a very very good commie, and Did he you? was he was he was he was super invested in it. He's like, I'm I'm here to help you win. I'm I'm here to you know to what do nationality? He was Italian. Italian. They're all Italian yeah. from the um, cooking school. Yeah. Um, so he was very very good. He just he pushed on like a horse. Yeah. Um, Scotty was there making sure that everything went to plan. All of our all of our jobs and. All of our tasks were in by time, so within the first hour, I had to have all this done, and Scotty yeah, yeah, was there yeah. keeping me on track. So he's there, just he's like the <clears throat> he's like the uh, the coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. This needs to be done by this time. This needs to be done by that time. You're ahead of schedule. Just take yeah. it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, that was a probably the quickest five hours I've ever had in my I life. Imagine <clears throat> farting in that. Can't stop farting. He's <laughs> like so nervous. I was. I was definitely sweating and it was the first time I've ever worn a toque and oh. I sweat so much my toque kept blowing out so I used about three or four toques the whole time um, and then we um, I don't usually wear the waist aprons I usually like the bib aprons so I always get something on myself and I was like oh you know what uh, it was about maybe 30 minutes before presentation to the judges who's you know you're presenting to Paul Pare, uh Dominic Crenn Anna Ross you know Virgilio Martinez and Margarita Forrest, you know, to name a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool amateurs. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm pretty clean. And I go on there and I'm putting like a brown puree into a bag and I splatter it all over myself. Oh. I said, great. Sweet. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, Never well. mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what? It was like, okay, John, you're up in five minutes. Is everything going to be ready in five? Is that what it is? Or they give you the heads up and then you're like, and then. You just played yeah. seven. You have to play it up all on your own. Or so you played ten, actually. Ten, fuck. You played ten, and you, you table of ten on your own, man. Course. Oh, you you and your commie have to oh, do yeah. it, but um, so you have a you have a like a countdown clock on your in your kitchen, and Scotty's there, kind of. Scotty's there's always on my back. Um, so you you have five hours to cook and ten minutes to present. Yeah. Okay. And you can go into your presentation time for plating. So I went into my presentation time a little bit just to make sure everything was hot. Yeah. To go up like. Um, that was very, very important to me. So I had about seven minutes, six minutes to present, which was fine. Um, but present, you have to take it to them and explain it. Or yeah. Something. yeah. So okay. you, you take, you take uh, seven portions out to the judges. One portion gets placed in front of them. So kind of, there's a crowd of 150 as well oh, watching fuck, it. fuck is there? It was, a, it was a massive, like... Oh, so you're in cubicles. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like a big competition. I get it. Yeah. I fuck, I was like... I was envisaging like in a hotel. I don't know why. Like, of course they're going to make a big deal out of it. Was, what a fucking it idiot. was live streamed. It was yeah, a yeah, massive yeah. presentation. There's camera crews in front of you, like recording you plate. And then, you know, all right, John Rivera's ready to present or whoever's ready to present. Massive round of applause. And you're walking down this, this kind of like aisle, a single aisle straight to the judges. And you're just like shitting yourself. Yeah, of course. Um, Shaking and that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And this is like, you know, you've worked the past year for this moment. Um, but yeah, it was... What uh, an experience. 
It was great. What a bloody experience. That's awesome. Mm. Honestly, again, congratulations. Thank you so awesome. Much. I was buzzing. When I seen it, I was over the moon for you. I was like, that's fucking so good. What, like, you're, you know, it's, that's it forever now. You've, you've got that. Not many people get that. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a real opportunity. It was awesome and you, you were well deserved. Thank and you. from that, you went to, um, you got an opportunity to do MasterChef as well, which is massive over here. MasterChef's yeah. huge over here. The yeah, so from that, um, you know, MasterChef kind of contacted Amaru and said, you know, we'd like to have you come and do an immunity challenge every MasterChef. And I said, you know what? Oh, and they said it was Gordon Week as well. I said, wow, okay, I can tick three things off my bucket list at once. Meet Gordon Ramsay, go on MasterChef and be on TV. So, okay, yeah, yeah of course. I'm not going to say no. Yeah, for sure. It was, a, it was a fun experience. It's, you know, it's... Did you meet Gordon? I met Gordon, yeah. Gordon, Gordon's a hell of a guy. He's, uh, he's very, not, not intimidating, but he's, you know, his he's stature a big boy. is... Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. But he's, he's very... He's, he's not like what he used to be in Boiling Point or anything. He's very toned out now. He's, he's actually... Four, kid, four kids or something, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. Them testosterone, his balls are nearly fucked, I should imagine. So, you know, <laughs> like an old horse, you know? Yeah, just... but um, so it was, a, it was kind of like a mini challenge. There's three pins up for grabs. There's three chefs. So Joe Barrett uh, was one. Joe Barrett from Oak Ridge and um, Gavin Hughes from Byron on Byron up in Byron Bay. Um, Master Chef is intense. Oh, like you don't realize how how hard it actually is. Like it all looks fun in games and TV, and people think it you know it's it's rigged or it's staged. It's not. Like these guys can actually cook, and you know when you're put in you, you when you're put under pressure with one hour to cook and an hour is fuck all. It's fuck all. By the time yeah, you pick by, your ingredients, yeah. By the time you <clears> made your <throat> cup of tea, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. checked Instagram, and there's yeah. like there's only like forty five minutes left. Yeah, and you're like, well, shit. Um, should cook something. <laughs> no, but, like pick your ingredient. Like, it's nothing. It's nothing. For, one yeah. hour is nothing. Like yeah. we're joking, but it really isn't to cook yeah. something. So no, it was a good experience because it. We were talking about it. So many, so often, cooks get like stuck in that routine. You know, you do the same prep every day. You do the same thing every day. Almost your week or your day is always planned out, and you know what you're going to do. So it becomes like muscle memory. Yeah. And to go in there in a new kitchen with cameras in front of you, with the pressure, kind of, yeah, pressure. something on the line, you have to make right. something up and, you know, oh, it, and you don't want to make yourself look like a fucking idiot in front of everyone. You know what I mean? You're nervous yeah. that people are going to bag you like, Oh, you yeah. know, even though no one is, cause anyone that does do that is just a fucking prick, but like, it's still there. Yeah. You know, you still want to do well. Like, um, you know, you still want to put something up that's, that looks nice and tastes nice. Um, but it was like this is this is this is a great experience because it forces you out of your comfort zone. It, it brings you back to cooking and like you know thinking on your feet and being yeah. creative. So it went over to you then. I, I do feel like some of them are stitch ups. I think it was Charlie. You remember Charlie? Yeah. yeah. I think he's at Atlas. I think it is. Yeah. He went on there. I think it was him. I might be wrong, but I, 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 another one that I watched, and he got like candy like chocolate or like so, do you know what I mean like it was like all like Mars bars yeah. and, and like what the fuck are you gonna do with that seriously yeah. like that's just a purest yeah well you know at the end of the day it's 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 a it's a TV show you gotta do it for the ratings and yeah, you gotta make yeah. it interesting yeah and uh, you know you can't knock them for it, but it's a great experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just getting used to being in that pressure and the cameras and all the rest of it. Who knows where that leads in the future? Now, now you've been in front of cameras a few times. Next time it's going to get easier and easier yeah. and easier. So next time someone says, "Oh, can you come and do this demo?" and you're going to be like, "Well, yeah, I've done, I've done two yeah. in big, the biggest in the world." <laughs> well, I can easily do another one. Yeah. So you know, you know, it's more and more you do. So it's all great experience. Yeah. You went. 
like you say, you worked at Rockpool, you worked at Loom and at Amaru. Is it Amaru? Yeah. yeah. What made you choose them restaurants? When I chose Rockpool. Well, both, uh, two Rockpools, right? Two Rockpools. I chose Bar and Grill because um, it was you know, talking with, with the chefs there and talking with yourself as well. I remember, you know, you, <clears throat> you say, you know, you focus on the basics first. You know, one of the. If I remember, if you remember Stefan, Stefan, he's at Plaza Ballroom now. He's actually doing great things over there with his pastry. And yourself and Zach and Will at the time was like, you know, you need to walk before you run. You need to lock down the basics, you know, learn the basics, be comfortable with the basics before you try to do any fancy stuff. Because you're without, predominantly on <clears throat> in pastry at this point, weren't you? Yeah. You were interested in pastry. Yeah. yeah. Without that firm foundation, you can't build on top of that. Um, I spent, you know, I spent a good time there and. I really wanted to get into fine dining. Um, and that time, Rockpool and Sydney had just moved to the new place. Phil was doing something really exciting with the menu and the food and with Asian food as well, which is something I really, really like. So I went over there and did that. You know, learned more advanced basics with with uh, with pastry. And, and then one thing that you said to me really resonated at that time was that, because you asked me what... Uh, like, do you think about, do you think you're going to keep doing patient for the rest of your life or do you want to, you know, do something else? And I said, oh, you know, I don't know yet, blah, blah, blah you know, little kid. Uh, you said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You need to learn everything else and then you make your choice. So then I decided to go do the savory side and learn all that stuff too. After that, I had not done pastry since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is, so I, I chose... Uh, I chose Rockpool because of that. Um, it was an easy step, wasn't it? Like, not an easy, I'm not saying it was a cop-out because you had to move away. You had to leave Melbourne, leave your yeah. family at 22 or whatever yeah. it was and go to Sydney. So it wasn't yeah. easy. But it was a fine dining restaurant. Phil Wood's a really, you know, a banging chef, really up and coming. Young. Not like he hasn't made it, but I'm just saying, you know, it was the hot prospect and yeah. and it was an easy change. You worked in the company and it, it yeah. worked out pretty well. It was a it was an easy way of getting to a three-hat restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Using contacts. Yeah. You're only in the company. You, asked to, you had to prove yourself, but it was an easy way to get to a three-hat yeah. restaurant. I still, yeah, I, you know, I still did a trial and I still had to work for that. And you actually helped me a lot for that. So thank you very much for oh, getting me there. That's all right. Um, I remember nagging you for nights on end. Like, has Phil said anything? Has Phil yeah. said anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we, were, the, we were doing the orders. Do you remember? I was doing yeah. the orders and I said, right, I'll just ring him now. Yeah. And yeah. then he, he, yeah, he said, yeah, he's got to come over. And that was a night kind of changed my life. I was like, okay, now it's happening. Now I'm now I'm a big boy. Now I got to move away from home. Yeah. And, and everyone's yeah. like, why are you getting John a job in Sydney? Like now we're chef down. He'll like, oh, <laughs> be all right. We'll find someone else. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I I came back from Sydney after two years, and and I staged at Attica and I staged at Bray, and you know, both went really for me. Why is that? Um, you know, Attica was Attica was great, and that the you know the the people you meet there because so many people from different backgrounds and different countries go there and you know you learn from them and you you make these connections but I needed I still needed to learn how to cook and you know, quite frankly I don't feel like I would learn how to properly cook at Attica yeah you may get put on one section and just doing that one thing over yeah. and over again yeah I get it. yeah and um but I'm still happy I went there I met some great people I met you know Peter Gunn I met Zach Zach uh, first from Ides and a whole bunch of other people as well that that I saw keeping contact. Yeah, not with. all jobs are for everyone. Yeah, it's simple, it's pretty easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I went went to Bray for a couple of weeks, and that was that was a great experience. I'm not gonna lie, I I, I really like Bray, and 
but it was a massive push there. You were in the shit 24 seven. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it was like seven o'clock starts and 2 a.m. finishes. And I'm pretty sure at one point, you know, we ran out of Vietnamese mint in the garden. So we were back in the lodge where all the stagiaires stayed at 2.30 a.m. I had my car pointed towards the garden, you know, headlights on and we're picking Vietnamese mint for the next service. And I mean, that was when Bracel opened, first kind of opened like a year after. There was only still five chefs in the kitchen. Now they've got a, a team of them. So early sure, days. Yeah, it was still early days. But for me, I was a city boy. That was still very... Yeah, it's, it's, out in the, it's out in the country, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. <clears throat> out in the country, you know, it's a massive change for me. It felt like I, got, I just got away from Sydney so I could be back with my family again. And then to go to Bray or stay at Bray and I know, ask for a job at Bray, that was moving away again yeah um and that point lumake had kind of just opened up and so i shot them and they were they were very ambitious they were doing something different and quirky and um i thought you know what maybe i want to get myself into there and check them out and learn some more different techniques so i shot him a mess shot sean a message and he got back to me and pretty much did a trial there and i enjoyed it and you know they wanted me on board and I stayed on there for about two years, and I, I did my rounds. And Sean was very, Sean was very, very good in that time, because he, he would find potential in everybody, and, you know, every week we'd have to do, a project of our own, like something that we've been thinking about or wanted to put on a plate, but we never had a chance. He gave us that chance to be creative. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, really good, um, and also his food's just so, so different, the way he thinks about. Uh, you know, food and people's perception of food is so different. And um, also how he would give you, he would make sure you took ownership for the restaurant itself. Not just, you know, not just your section, but he made you think like a restaurateur, um, which at a young age was very good because it's not every day where you have to think about the business as a whole as well. Um, So I really matured in that. He sounds awesome. That sounds like an awesome experience. Yeah, he's a, he's a very, very good mentor of mine. Um, but as I spent two years there. And once you kind of feel like you've done all the sections and you hit your ceiling and, you know, you just got to go somewhere else to refresh. And actually working at Lume, I met Clinton McIver, who owns Amaru. And Clinton used to be the sous chef at Vudemont. You know, he can, he's got an incredible palate. He's got great technique. And I feel like I needed to be at Amaru for that for the year I was there. He taught me how to cook instinctively. You know, mm. a lot of, you know, I think during that time there was a lot of sous viding and a lot of you know cooking things in bags. Um, it's easy to like um, forget how to just cook by feel. Yeah, roasting or yeah, or, yeah, like yeah. roasting things and basting and yeah. And like, having a feel of how how hard it is, how soft it yeah, is, and, and how yeah. differently things react. Like you know, yeah. one piece of beef is different to another piece of beef. One, you know, how depending on how long it's been hung, how much moisture content's in yeah, there. Like yeah, like you know, like a carrot or like a Jerusalem artichoke at the start of the season is so different to the end Absolutely. of the season. You, even in the even in the week you've had it, if it's sat in the fridge exactly. or whatever else, yeah, dehydrating exactly. or yeah, for and sure. Clinton's instincts for that is just so amazing, and so he. I learned I learned that from him and how to kind of roll the punches as well and how to just working with the ingredients. Yeah. Just reacting to the yeah. situation. Yeah, exactly. It's more like that reaction like, cooking. Yeah, it's kind of like you know you pull pull a piece of meat out of the oven. It's like you feel and it's like you know what that needs a little bit more. That's perfect. Or 
you know, that just needs a bit of resting. You know, I, I needed to learn that. Yeah. Uh, I think every cook needs to learn that. Repetition is the best for that. It way. is, yeah. And the year I did that, it was yeah. just like, you know, you get it in your bones and it's it makes you so much more confident as a cook and so much more complete as a cook as well. Yeah, I think that back in the day, you know, that was... You'd, I was talking to a camera I was talking to recently saying that you used to be on a section for like two and a half years. Mm. You'd be on, you know, you'd be on the meat for two and a half years. Like you soon learn it, that's in you after yeah. that, you know, yeah. you've cooked so many duck breasts or you've cooked so many racks of lamb or you've cooked, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like you just, it's, you've just done it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But like you say, that style of cooking, it, it, it's important. I think it's coming back more and more. To be yeah, definitely. Honest. I think a lot more people cooking over fire and a lot uh, and raw, and and elemental cooking you know like charcoal wood fire it's great and but you need a lot more i guess know-how experience and skill to be able to cook on that because you need to be able to feel feel the meat feel the fire feel the heat you know where to put things where not to put things and definitely yeah. i agree you know at the end of the day you're you're going to be the future of Australian food, you know, your generation as you come, in, as you come through and you've got the new job and that. Where do you think Australian food's going to be in the next 10 years? I think definitely in the next 10 years, you know, we're going to see Australian food maybe stamp down their own culture or identity of how we cook. Uh, we're still finding our feet now, I think, you know, but I think it's definitely going to revolve around cooking with fire, cooking with premium ingredients we've got absolutely amazing ingredients amazing beef amazing seafood amazing produce and the selection you can find all throughout australia just because how so large we are and how broad the climates are you know um and also native ingredients native ingredients are already taking off now definitely but the f- uh, with the, a lot of people are starting to work with the indigenous people and listen yeah. to them their um them guys and find out how to cook some of them indigenous ingredients. Yeah. I think that as well. Um, the more knowledge we have about these ingredients as well, the better our, our food our food culture is going to be. Forgive me if I'm wrong with all my ignorance. I've never been to Norway or Scandinavia, but you know they they take pride in what what they can find there, and they make their food so unique to what's what's there as well. And I think we can do the same thing here in Australia. I, de- I definitely b- believe that, that that's the case as well with the native ingredients. I think that mm. is probably the key mm. that's been missing over the last few years, um, you know, 20 years, 30, whatever yeah. it is, is to get in them, the native, um, in the indigenous people involved mm. in this, learning from them, and, and that's how you're going to get your own identity. Yeah. But then, because Australia is so diverse in cultures, you know, Filipino... Yeah. Uh, especially the Asian, Chinese, Japanese, and yeah. Indian, and, and English. I know not Asian, but all these different cultures will bring their stamp on it, and that's I think. Yeah. But I think the key is the is the native yeah. ingredients. That's where and you'll get the true Australian cuisine. Yeah, it makes it so much more interesting, and it, you know, it makes it so uniquely Australian. And I think the best example for that right now is doing something really great: is Sunda Dining, where they're combining Southeast Asian flavors with native ingredients and it's not in a tacky way where you know you're putting a little bit of bit of finger lime there or you know a bit of salt bush there you know you're really having a thought and replace and not replacing but putting native ingredients in place of of what you would usually use and having that great marriage of flavors yeah yeah um so they're doing really really well there and of course you know 
Attica and Oran are doing great things with native Attica ingredients. Attica love it, don't they? Yeah. They are, yeah. yeah they're yeah. doing some crazy stuff. They had like they did like a waddle, waddle soy, or waddle seed soy a couple of months ago. And I was just like, that's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes some people to be doing that, you know, and to to, yeah. to be at a shout from the rooftops. <coughs> look at what we've got, and, that. and yeah. he's doing a fantastic job, Ben Shuri, with that mm, for sure. Definitely. Um, and kitchens are changing as well. Not just the food; kitchens are changing from that whole shouting and screaming. Where I think you, now it's getting a, it's a lot more calm, a lot more more of a nurturing environment these days. Yeah, yeah. I, I think gone are the days of the of Gordon Ramsay's boiling point, or you know, those old school kitchens where you live out of fear. You know, you you work out of fear for the chef and for me uh i never want to go to work and be be afraid of anybody i want to go to work have fun you know cook great food you, you cook better when when in a comfortable environment or an environment you want to be in and people just don't learn from getting yelled at you know there's we've already had so many cases of mental health issues and and whatnot in in our industry we don't need more of that yeah and you know it's better it's better to actually nurture somebody to teach them, to guide them along. I mean, I guess in the heat of service, you know, things you know, things fly up in the air. Not literally, but yeah, uh, tempers or you know, yeah, yeah exactly. you just what we it's just because we all want perfection and we just all want a better experience for the guest. But we'll never. There's I don't think there's a culture of abuse anymore, and you know, or there shouldn't be a culture of abusing people anymore, harassing people anymore. You know, especially physically touching people or like harming them that's 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 not on anymore and yeah, for sure no i think working hours now are getting a lot better um, yeah i was going to ask you what do you think what do you think of that where where, where do you think that I th- that sits I, th- I definitely think i definitely think you know we can all work less we'd all like to work less um what do you think is a good hour <clears throat> to be working a week a good, good amount of hours should i say to be working in a week like realistically yeah real realistically um to make i guess in a small restaurant, a small fine dining restaurant, happen minimum, like you know, you're kind of looking in between fifty-five and sixty hours. That's that's like that's great. You know, you still you probably rock up to work eleven, twelve o'clock, and then you know you clock off at about eleven. So that's in an environment that's just open for dinner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to clock in earlier for for lunches. But you think yeah. fifty-five to sixty hours is is a is a because now it's. 38 I think I think it's yeah. like 40 hours not even 40 hours no, I think the the, the guys the people at Rockpool they work about 48 hours a week 40 like a little bit I less I think than it's that. down to 50, 40 hours I, I should have looked at it beforehand yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's 40 hours is, yeah. is the maximum working week now yeah. for that's, a full time yeah week. and that's great um, you know you get heaps of time with your family you get time for yourself you get time to unwind and I guess you know it's it's a hard thing to talk about it's a hard thing to you think you look at small restaurants um, fine dining restaurants who have very small margins of profit and, and all that and we'd they'd all like to give their staff like 40 hour weeks but we just can't and I guess you know there's you, we have to understand that if you want to make something great you have to put work into it and small businesses like that just can't can't afford to to yeah, work exactly. no that exactly I agree it's like you say it's such a tough conversation because it Big corporations, yeah. Crown and these kind of places where they're making you know millions and millions yeah. of dollars profit, and but like the small family-owned restaurant, yeah, it's such a tough one. You know, your them smaller restaurants are kind of saying we can't pay you much. We're going to ask you to work a lot, but what we will do is we'll give you our heart and soul in training. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, we'll train you, we'll yeah. we'll we'll nurture you, 
and we'll try and progress and we're always here yeah. for you. That's kind yeah. of what the smaller restaurant's saying is we can't yeah. match in every other way, but that's yeah. what we'll do. So that, that hours thing really affects them businesses. Like, it, But should you be allowed to... It's the same thing. Some people ruin it for everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. people are getting people to work 78 hours a week, paying them for 35 yeah. and still not giving them any training and just abusing the system. That's yeah. the problem. You that's, know that's the problem. That, those people are the, the, that's bringing this industry down. Because yeah. you can't even sign out of it now. So really? no, you can't you can't opt out of it. It's not like in England you used to be able to sign out of it. So you could say, look, I'm working for this restaurant. I'm happy with the pay, and I don't mind working seventy hours because I believe this is going to be, you know, good for my career mm. in the future. I can put it on my re- on my resume. I can use their contacts if I want to go and work in America. They'll put me onto that. Yeah. These kind of things aren't for free. You know, like yeah. that's why you work for such someone for yeah. not much money, and you're prepared to work your balls off because you get that. Mm. But now that you can't even opt out of it, so the the business will get into trouble. Mm-hmm. If the business, if if the if the the government come and say, well, you're, you're be like, yeah, yeah, but we'll, we'll, don't worry, we look after him. You know, we fill his car up with petrol every now and again, or you know, whatever. I take yeah. him to the football or whatever it might be. They don't give two fucks. That's no. it. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. get a big bill, a big fine, yeah, and they'll yeah. say you can't do that. And you say, no, no, it's all right. It, so it's really difficult. It's because really, I hate the people that do abuse this system. Yeah. But I, but on the same hand, the small people who were love it, who were bringing on the apprentices and nurturing them and yeah. really spending the time on them, well, it's it's almost it's just giving it up for big corporations. Yeah, but that's is, that's family like environment. You all got each other's backs. You know, you all support each other. There's you're not going to be abused. You're not going to be, you know, thrown up against the wall. You will get paid quite well. All the restaurants I've, all the small restaurants I've worked at, pay above award. Always do, and you know you get do, fed. Yeah, you get fed. You know we. Well. Yeah, we always make sure that staff meal is great. We sit down for thirty minutes. We have a bit of banter. We, you know, we get to check in with our loved ones, and you know we have a bit of a laugh. Um, and no one, no one like hates each other. No one's like trying to stitch each other up, or you know trying to make this life hell for this person, or you know it's it's not like that anymore. And you know. So you're That's happy a, with that environment, right? And you're happy to take that wage. It's yeah. a really interesting conversation. I think it, you know, it really is like, like you say, if you, if people are happy at the job, yeah. well then, then that should that should be it in some aspects. Yeah. I think it's it's a hard conversation because it's yeah, and like it's legislation. But who's been the biggest inspirations to you within within your career so far? Um, definitely Sean Quaid. Sean Quaid, he took me in as just you know just another commie. Um, with the potential, but you know, he threw me right in the deep end, um, and he was like, you know, swim because I know you can do it, and he just always nurtured me, always, you know, uh, was willing to to teach me and um, not just how to cook or these different techniques, um, but also as once again the business side of things and entrusting me with looking after the business and all that. So um, he's definitely one of them, you know, Clint. Yeah, I always look up to Clinton as well because he's such a he's such a hustler. He owns he owns 100% of that restaurant. You know, it's 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 not a it's a very hard thing to own a fine dining restaurant where the margins are so so skinny. The the great thing about him is he's there every day. He's working hard for his business. He's working just as hard as you, if not harder. So you are, you always take inspiration from that because your boss is right in there with the trenches, yeah. ready to go. Um, that's awesome I love it when you work for someone like that yeah yeah, yeah because it it makes it, you know, it shoulder to shoulder isn't it yeah 
Yeah. <coughs> um, sure. Those two guys are really two people that I really look up to right now and who are really my mentors. That's great. It's great that you've got them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's great that you've got them. And what chefs, not the people that you've known, but who are the chefs that, you, that, that you're looking up to? The Thomas Kellers back in my day, you know, mm. you know these kind of guys, the, uh, the, the, the Rue brothers, and these are the yeah. people I really looked up to. I, I, I really look up to um, Corey Lee. Corey Lee, because I, I ate at I ate at Benu a couple of years ago, and I I was like, man, I didn't have a new Asian flavors or Asian techniques. Or, Korean, right? Yeah. Cor- yeah. South be, Korean? Yeah. Could be yeah. elevated to this level. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And it's just innovative cooking, great flavors. And um, so I I always look up, I look up to him and I you know, I keep I keep track of what they're doing at, at Bennu. Always, I also look up to uh, this guy called Jordi Navarra in, in Philippines. He just won the Mila one to watch for the for Asia. Mm. Um, he does... Uh, Filipino guy? Yeah, Filipino guy is in, in Manila. Actually, I ate at that restaurant by accident because I, I went there, I went to Philippines a, a couple of years ago for my mate's wedding and um, I went by myself with a bunch of mates and their partners, but they had all family things to do. So I was all by myself in Manila, No, like had no family with me. My girlfriend at the time, or my fiance now wasn't with me. So I was like, you know what? Um, I just booked myself into this restaurant Turned out to Had be... Had you heard of it? No? Yeah, I would have oh, heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd been eating out the couple of days before. And yeah. it's like, you need to go to this place, you need to go to this place. All right, I booked myself in. And uh, he's just doing things with Filipino food, uh, not just Filipino food even. He's supporting local business. His All of his plates are made by local potters. He actually helped me get my plates from Milan. Uh, you know, he's sourcing local ingredients. He's, you know, he's reinventing local and uh, Filipino techniques. And born and bred Filipino? Born and bred Filipino. He yeah, trained in uh, in London for a while, I'm pretty sure. Mm. But he is actively promoting Filipino culture and Filipino cuisine to Asia and the world. So like, I really look up to him because he is one of the pioneers who is Filipino, who is doing that and who's actually doing it very well. Um, so yeah yeah so he's one of the, the two that mm. you look up to you know that we were talking just before that we started about the um, molecular gastronomy is kind of we're passing through we've passed that really mm. what would you say the new techniques that people are, are looking at it's really popular to cook over fire now I think every restaurant every, every good restaurant now has a has a hibachi or a, or a barbecue or a wood fire grill of some sort and it's I think we're moving more towards that kind of instinctive like elemental cooking I just think that we're in Australia. We're just over fads and we're over trends. And well, just the trend, more the, yeah, the, yeah, the trend is not to be with the trend. It's just making great, honest, tasty food that is relatable, no matter who you are. There's no like a niche to it. Now you think about the really great, tasty, successful restaurants right now. Like you know, you think about you know, Embla. You think about Sunda, like I mentioned before, and you know, Amaru as well. Um, they just focus on tasty food universally tasty food um that will relate that's relatable whether you're you know in your 50s or your 40s or your 30s or your 20s it's just good food and that's really i guess the the reason why we cook anyway if you could work in any restaurant in the world which one would you work in oh wow i've always wanted to work at el Saler de can roca i know we just talked about like you know we don't really the modernist thing isn't really in these days but just like the stuff they do is pretty cool you know Geordie Rocker makes things fly um just to kind of be in that environment and see how see how they think 
or look at food. Uh, really would like to go there. Obviously work at uh, Toyo with uh, Jordi Navara just to also understand my culture a little bit more and you know be able to delve into those flavors and those those uh, techniques and ingredients. Is it something no. you think about doing? Would you think you go and do stages there? Is it something that's on your mind? I'd probably, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to stage at Toyo. Probably not uh, more so at El Saleh, just because it's on the other side of the world. It's a yeah. massive commitment. The problem is now with stages, I've, I've said it time and time again, is it, they, they want so much from you. They want like a month or yeah. six weeks or eight weeks or yeah. six months or whatever. Like the days of going over for like four days, you know, yeah. or three days... Unless you know them, then maybe let you come in yeah. and have a look. But you could, like that would still be nice to go for three days. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean you don't, if you, especially if you in a job like a full time job, you can take a week off. Yeah, go and do four days and still have you know a bit of flying time and the rest of it. Yeah, and I know I've known people who have who've done six month stages, you know, year stages as yeah. well. It's like, how much money do you have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where yeah. are you living? What are you eating? <laughs> for um, sure. They do expect a lot from you, but. If you really, for me, if you really invest yourself in a stage and you really want to learn, you only need probably a week to see to see around and you know see what they do. But if you're just going somewhere to to have that, you say, oh, I was at El Soler, I was at you know Attica, I was that just to say that, and may as well not be there because you're not learning anything anyway. Yeah. Um, but I also find I also kind of uh, learn a lot from just eating out in these places. I I'm that type of diner who asks a lot of questions when I eat. Mm. Like ask, how do they do this? How do they do that? You know, why this? Why that? Especially inspiration. You can definitely get yeah. heaps of inspiration. Yeah, I think one of the things that Phil Wood said to me when I was very young was, you know, invest in your palate and invest in like in your mind, like your your head. That's that's your most powerful tool. Like because I think it was like everybody was getting really expensive knives in the kitchen one day. It's like, no, you guys need to invest in a spoon and taste things. Yeah, um, that's a sick line. Was yeah. that Phil Wood? Was yeah, it? Phil Wood was like, you know, get a you know, invest in a spoon. And he, and he, he posted up on Instagram like a couple of years later. He's like, oh, he put a photo of a spoon on a story and he's like, more chefs need to get this instead of a knife and just actually taste things. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Taste, 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 yeah. taste. That's all we used to get drilled. Yeah. Taste, taste, taste by Terry. But um, that's awesome. That's yeah. smart, I feel. So I've taken, I've taken that to heart and I, I spend so much, too much money in just like eating out, eating all these places. But it you know my parents still think or my family still think I waste money because I spend thousand dollars a year on eating out but it's and I joke around that it's research but it kind of is it's yeah, yeah you can get your tax back on it anyway yeah so, fuck mm. it must be research yeah what's been your favorite section what is your favorite section I know you said you pet you in the pate you enjoyed the pastry back yeah. at the beginning but what's been your favorite section now I do like working meat I do, I do like working meat section I think there's nothing more or just Meat, any protein of some sort, because there's nothing more fulfilling to me than like cooking a piece of meat or a piece of fish perfectly, and you, you know, you slice it open and you you reveal the cuisson, and it's just like bang on. Yeah, it's yeah. just like they're the good days. Yeah. What about the other day? What about the other days when you cut into it and you think, "Fuck, I want to get screwed." Two, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always think about the good days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I've had bad days in pastry. I've had. I've had days where, uh, like, I didn't have enough ice cream, so I just like, I remember churn milk, just churning no, the cream. Just no, I remember <laughs> it was it was Christmas last year at uh, at Amaru, and we were just getting hammered over Christmas, and 
it was like we're doing a crazy lunch into a crazy dinner and I just ran out of ice cream and I forgot to fr- freeze it off. So ran out the back with a cool room is put in a pack of canister, shoved it in the back of my, back of my blast freezer and I'm like, right, until the last, until the first water comes in. And then I took it out, punched a hole in the middle of it and just drained out all the excess, like not frozen oh, stuff yeah, and yeah. bunged it in the, in the package. And I was like, that was one of the most cowboy things I've ever done. Yeah, I heard about someone who ran out of ice cream as well. I, I, it was recently. They know who they are if they're listening. And um, they went to the soup the store, got some ice cream, <laughs> brought it back, just added more vanilla and whatever else they wanted to add to it. Rechurned it, and that was it. Oh, well. Good, good to go. They said oh, it was. Well. Like, they said it was all right. <laughs> What do you do if you if you're out? You're out. Yeah, like, you know it is. What I it do is. love pastry as well. Though pastry is is still like one of my first loves, and um, I have a massive sweet. Your tooth. first girlfriend. Yeah, you know <laughs> you can always remember your first girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, you know this. You know I love I love making a good ice cream. You know when a when a good custard comes out, a good creme caramel comes out, and it's just yeah. got that wiggle, and just like yeah. The um, Filipinos like sweet stuff anyway. They love it. Yeah, yeah. They've, yeah. they've yeah. got a massive sweet tooth. Like mm. even. When I go over back to the Philippines, it tastes like their sandwich bread. It's sweet. It's almost yeah, like yeah. brioche. It's like, wow. And then like, you know, we have pastries covered in sugar and butter. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so it's, in your, it's in your blood. Yeah, it's in me. I always like, my dad will come home with a block of chocolate and he'll just leave it on his bedside table. That's a snack every day. <laughs> well, um, what's your favorite job? Everyone like, I have my, mine, I love doing prepping artichokes and yeah. breaking down uh, saddles of lamb. They're my, probably my two favorite jobs. Like, you know, when you roll the saddle yeah, of lamb, yeah. I love rolling the saddle of lamb. I'll give you a list of what I don't like so far. <laughs> on, I don't see. like picking crab. Picking, picking crab is a, is a, is a bit of a nightmare. Um, I don't like prepping artichokes. <laughs> don't you? Yeah. Um, what was my favorite job? Um, I guess, yeah, I love, I used to love making the pabs at, at Bar and Grill. And I also still love making custards. Like custards are still one of my favorite things to eat. But even if it's like an anglaise or a baked custard and just cooking it, a very nice custard, one with a wiggle or a nice anglaise and a nice ice cream. That's my custard favorite. Custard tart is what you make. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Creme caramel, yeah. creme brulee. Yeah. That's, that's probably one of my favorite jobs. Um, that really stick out. Yeah, panna cottas, all these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, the, the, the wiggle. You yeah. like the wiggle. I love the wiggle. If if I, if we do go out for Filipino food, mm-hmm. what what should we be what should we be ordering? Um, you should definitely order. Definitely get adobo. So adobo is like the unofficial official like national dish of the Philippines. Um, I say that because it's like. If you come over to my house, like I'll cook you a certain style of adobo and you go to another person's house, they'll cook you something a little bit different because the you know, Philippines is 7,000 islands and yeah. they cook it differently and with different ingredients. Um, you should definitely get... So what is adobo? Oh, it's, uh, it's pretty much anything braised in soy sauce and vinegar. So it's, it's, a, it's a preservation technique as it is um, a cooking or a dish because um, there wasn't much... There isn't much uh, refrigeration back then, so they cook a lot of things in salt and vinegar to preserve them. You should also get sinigang, which is the hot and sour soup, which is so which comforting. You, which is what you did your ditch on, yeah. Yeah, it's just comforting and it's 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 absolutely like heartwarming. Um, you should also get uh, leche flan. So leche flan is our version of uh, of creme caramel or creme catalana, and. Um, but we make it. We make it with uh, egg yolks, condensed milk, and evaporated milk. So it's super rich. <laughs> it's super super rich, and it it's just so silky and creamy. And it's good. Yeah, What's it's it good. called? Tell me again. Leche flan. 
that's just so like it's like flan. Is yeah, that like yeah, fl- yeah, so it's yeah, like milk yeah. flan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Le- because the, the Spanish took it to us, and then the Americans would have come with all their canned goods, and we just had to make it work. And egg yolks, condensed milk, and evaporated milk because there's not much fresh milk in the Philippines. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. rich. It's dense. Is it it's good? That's good. It's good. I'll make it for you one day. I'll yeah, it yeah, for sure. Definitely, I'd be. I'd love to. Well, listen. To finish off, I want to just say a few. Well, ask you a bit of a quick fire. Which one would you take, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather? Oh come on! Are <laughs> you asking a Filipino that? Guy? We got robbed that fight. We got robbed that fight. We got robbed against Brad Horn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the Aussie guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he won. I think he won his last fight. Actually, Manny Pacquiao. I think he won against um, Matisse. And uh, Brad Horn absolutely got smashed. So that yeah, was yeah. a that was Happy. yeah, Happy was like, yeah, sweet. But definitely Manny Pacquiao. He's um, he's a, he should have won that. He's a Filipino legend, right? He's he's the national hero. Yeah, yeah. He's a senator now. Is he? Yeah, good for him. Yeah, good he's for a, him. Um, ramen or a kebab? Uh, ramen. Ramen. Yeah, ramen. Vanilla ice cream or strawberry ice cream? Oh, uh, you you know when uh, the fake like strawberry milk ice cream flavor that's my absolute favorite. that's my dirty pleasure <laughs> so you get like a neapolitan my dad will always take the chocolate i'll always take the um, strawberry and we'll leave the vanilla for, <laughs> for someone yeah, whoever wants it <laughs> strawberry definitely strawberry slow braised or cooked over fire cooked over fire cooked okay. over fire and the finish cheese or dessert both can oh. i choose both uh, oh. yeah go on why I not mean, like, would you okay would you go Cheese, then dessert, or do you go dessert, then cheese? Definitely cheese and then dessert. I still remember when the when I ate a Leto Yen, like, the cheese trolley came out. It's like, yep. But I just, I can't choose between them. Yeah, yeah. It but is. the thing is, is people say you should, you should finish on sweet. Yeah. But me personally, I like to have dessert, then cheese. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I like to sit on the cheese. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. It like, makes sense. Yeah, I like to, uh, to let it sit there. and Let it uh, open up. Let it, yeah, and just, I don't know, I just find cheese a bit more chatty. Like dessert, I'm into it. I'm like analysing it. I'm, you know, if it's got an ice cream or something that can melt or cream yeah. that can go soft or, you know, something along those lines, you're gonna, you want to eat it. Where, you know, get a glass of wine, port, whatever it might be, and, and just finish off on that. I like that. Yeah, I want so to think about that more now. <laughs> that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. So I'm, but to choose between dessert and cheese, I'm that's, probably the same. I'd say both. It's hard, isn't it? You know, we're a bit fat. That's, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Just a little bit. <laughs> that's yeah. what we do. We eat too much yeah. and we enjoy ourselves. Yeah, you know. That's what we do. All right, John, thanks very much for coming. Thanks so much, I Rob. much appreciate your time. Oh, and, my uh, pleasure. Keep, good luck. Uh, congratulations again on the new position. Thank you so much. Good luck with it all. I hope nothing but good things come for you. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Take it easy. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please tell a friend or give us a rating or review on your podcast app. It all helps to get more listeners. Thanks. Until next week, have a good one.